Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Pastoring in the Pandemic. This week, I am being joined by my friend, Josh Breslaw. Josh is the pastor at College Heights Baptist Church in Cleburne, and he wanted to, to come on today to share with us some of his experiences as a pastor in this time. And so, Josh, thank you so much for, for joining today. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Daniel, for having me. Well, I want to start off, Josh, by asking you the same question that I asked just about everybody, which is uh, about, you know, let's rewind to March for a moment when this pandemic kind of became a, a reality for all of us. It moved from being something that was just in the headlines, something that was just in the international section of the newspaper, to all of a sudden being very relevant to our daily lives. So for you, um, when and how did you and your church initially respond to the pandemic back in the middle of March? So our initial response was a little bit slower than, um, than some, but it started in January uh, for us. I had a, a phone call with a person uh, who was greatly concerned. They had heard of the first person dying in Washington uh, in January, and, and they, they thought this was basically the, the end of the world type of thing. And so I had to, I had to calm them down at that point. Um, I did not know too much about COVID um, then, but I started to read into it and to learn more about it. Uh, we also had a person in our church in February that was traveling to Washington, so that got everybody um, excited, for lack of a better word, about what was going on. And and they had told us that their plan was to to go to the the family wedding and then when they got home to stay home for two weeks and not come to church and everybody found that pretty acceptable. Um, we were going fairly just as normal um, until the Wednesday night that the NBA shut down. That basically changed everything. I I felt like a a complete fool that night uh, because um, I was telling people in prayer meeting at six thirty oh everything's going to be okay. Um, we'll be able to meet. Everything will be fine. And then I get home and I check my phone and everything has changed in the last hour and a half, it seems like. And so we started making calls, um, talking to different people about what we could do. Uh, and so we set up a Saturday meeting um, that week. I think it was March 14th or so to discuss what we were going to do. We had no uh, online services before then. Um, it was strictly in person. And so we talked about how we would do that. Um, and so the, the group that met, we agreed that we would move it to being only on Facebook on that Sunday morning, um, very scaled down. Um, and I had 24 hours to learn how to do Facebook Live. And so, uh, that's how we did it, and we moved on. And point in March. Yeah, it's funny you referred to that Wednesday that the NBA shut down. I think for a lot of people that was when it kind of became very real to everyone. That was certainly my experience, and I had a very similar conversation to the one that you're talking about uh, with church members at our um, Wednesday night prayer meeting that night at the dinner before that. We were talking about all the things that were shutting down and how how strange this all was. My big, um, boy, this has really changed everything moment, though, actually came a couple days later. We went to dinner at a Tex-Mex restaurant with some extended family that were in from out of town. Um, 
And for one thing, the place was much emptier than you would expect on a Friday night. And then for another thing, they had ESPN playing on the TVs and we were just marveling because the only coverage on ESPN was this league is canceled. This league is canceled. This league is canceled. This league. It was just wall to wall cancellation um, announcements. And it was just a very strange time. And so then we as pastors had to make that adjustment as well of how are we going to, to respond. Um, And so you said that you had 24 hours to learn how to do Facebook live ministry. Um, So you get to that first Sunday, then you, uh, you got your, your service up and running. You were able to do um, to live stream your service. And then we enter into this period of shelter in place or stay at home orders where virtually everyone, um, those who were not essential workers whose work required them to go into an office or to, um, to go into work, uh, we were all doing things from home and that include, included ministers. So what, what did your ministry look like during shelter in place? Apart from the Sunday morning services where you're doing Facebook Live, um, your day-to-day ministry, what did that look like for you during shelter in place? So for the first few weeks, um, it was fairly scaled back um, because not only was I working from home, but we had our two kids at home. School had been shut down. Um, And so being a a full-time parent and a full-time minister, um, I really had to combine those two things. Um, The main focus I had was making sure that all of our church members were, were safe and they had everything that they needed. Um, we have a smaller church, and so within a week or two, if I only focus on calling our church members, I can call through the entire role. And so that first couple of weeks, is, that, was, that was my main focus of ministry, was calling them, making sure they were okay. Uh, we have several older members, and so um, making sure that they had food, making sure they knew how to do different things like uh, food delivery, if that was an option they wanted to do. Uh, help them get set up with some Facebook accounts. Uh, that was one thing that we really had to focus on. We had a, a Facebook page beforehand, but we didn't have as many of our members on, on it. And so getting them set up with Facebook and having some of our younger members be able to help them with that um, was, a, was a main focus so that we could keep that community. A lot of our, our church members are uh, uh, widows, They're, they live by themselves, and so um, physical distancing and social distancing really became social isolation, and so being able to continue uh, community with them was, was a main focus that, that we had to have, and so we worked on that for the first couple of weeks. We, we took it in uh, two-week increments. We thought with everything else that was going on at that time, um, that's as much planning as people could comprehend. We were getting close to Easter, and so I didn't want to cancel Easter services a month early and then have people really upset when we couldn't meet. So we were just doing it a couple weeks at a time. And of course, we know that it ended up being Easter on online only for, for most of our churches, or maybe some had a drive-in, but we didn't. We just did online. Um, but that took us into to mid-May, and we... We decided to, to reopen the week after Mother's Day. I didn't want to deal with the extra people that come on Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. And so we, we waited a week to, to do it after that. 
So when it came to uh, to making the decisions on when you close the doors, when you reopen the doors, what activities get restarted? You mentioned that you're at a at a smaller church, and sometimes at a smaller church, it's the pastor making all these decisions unilaterally. Um, other times, there's a committee structure. So in, in your case, who were the decision makers uh, that were making these calls? Yeah, so that first uh, time we canceled services on that Saturday before um, when everything kind of started, we, I, I, I got a couple of our, our main church members together, our chairman of deacons. Um, we have a, a lady that works at the hospital in Cleburne, and she's kind of a liaison for them as it regards to, to COVID. And so she's been a big asset for us over these last several months. So we gathered a few of those those people together and that was when we initially canceled um our services back in march but after that um it was really myself and we have we have two other ministers on staff and then our um, church member who who works at the hospital she she's a, a great source of information uh everybody at the church trusts her in the decision making that she can make and so um, basically i have sought her advice throughout this entire process and we've been able to make those decisions together and so we were able to have um, you know try to have a five-phase implementation of a plan so that we could open up slowly but we could give people what they were wanting back as far as the community at the church is concerned and so i we've really relied on her to make those decisions um if we needed to, we could go to a committee format, but nobody has requested that we do it that way. And that's that's a huge blessing to have a medical professional in the congregation who is trusted by the congregation. Um, just the way that we've seen, the way that we've seen national medical figures, kind of the politicization of of things. It's got to be such a huge blessing to be able to say, "Look, here's here's somebody in the medical field that you know that you trust. They're not a face on TV." Um, and to be able to get those those insights that's got to be that's got to be huge for y'all yes it was and i told her last night we were talking about what we want to do as far as thanksgiving types of ministries and christmas types of ministries and she's saying well what if we do this or what if we do that and i just said look if you're comfortable with doing it let's do it and so um yeah she's been a huge blessing to us um not having to figure it out on our own she's already got the the information that some people in the public actually don't get to have. So she's very helpful with that. Yeah, that's great. So in talking about those, those activities, um, y'all, you said you reopened Sunday morning in-person services the, the week after Mother's Day. Um, when you did that, and I'm assuming probably since then, what looks different right now from a quote-unquote normal Sunday, a, a March 1st uh, Sunday morning? What looks different right now? Um, so we have a lot of tape in the sanctuary now. Um, we, we've, our, our sanctuary is set up to where, um, a normal 100% capacity is probably about 150. But once we started measuring off and taping off six feet of distance and everywhere and using every other pew, um, we can have about 32 family units. And so we have separated and taped off where you can and can't sit to make sure that families aren't within six feet of each other. Um, we had to set up an overflow in our fellowship hall 
that if, if we reach capacity in the sanctuary and we haven't reached that capacity yet, um, we came close yesterday. Um, finally, people are finally coming back, I think, um, in that way. But we have it in the fellowship hall to be able to watch the service uh, together. Um, and people have gotten used to what we're doing now, being about five months into this process, that it, it's feeling more like church. But those first few weeks back in May, um, I don't think people really, they didn't, they didn't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that, that really hurt me as a pastor to be opening these doors, but it just felt cold and it didn't feel like, like a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we have worked through those things. People are learning, you know, standing a little bit apart, but being able to have that conversation, you hear that, that, that low, you know, roar in the beginning of a service of people talking, um, that's happening again. But those first few weeks were, were weird because it was just quiet and, you know, very solemn, which is not typical for our church. Can I tell you, that's kind of encouraging for me to hear, because I felt the exact same way when we reopened our doors, that there was a part of me that wondered, on the one hand, you know, you've got to reopen the doors sometime. Um, And in a church my size, like yours, we were able to do that before there's a vaccine, um, as long as you take the proper precautions. But there was that part of me that thought, I don't know that this is really any better than preaching to an empty sanctuary and then watching from home online. Like when you think about the things that make in-person worship so meaningful, um, when you think about the fellowship that happens before and after, when you think about getting to catch up with one another on how has your week been going, when you think about the hugs and the handshakes, all, all of those things that come from in-person community, those first few weeks, it was sort of like, is this even worth all of this trouble? Because cold is a great way to, to describe it. It just felt very sterile, very, mm-hmm. very cold. And I'm grateful that, that like you, after those first few weeks, when people start to get more used to it, and when we start to have a better understanding of what is acceptable, what are things that we can get away with and not be putting anyone in danger, um, uh, you know, masks, masks need to stay on. That's, that's crucial. But if you're six feet apart, you don't need to be 20 feet apart. <laughs> the, right, right. Uh, th- those little things that we've kind of been figuring out as we go um, has made it a, a better experience. But yeah, th- those first few weeks were, were very strange. Um, and so, like I said, just encouraging to me that I'm not the only one who, who felt that way. And, and we went through a, a major lull in the summer um, because, at least in Cleburne, we didn't have very many cases of, of COVID for those first few months that we were, we were told to, to shelter in place and to shut down. Really, the cases started in June when we were starting to open back up again. Mm-hmm. And so um, we had about a month there in May to June where people were coming. And then all of a sudden, we're like, hey, maybe it's not the best idea for, for y'all to be here, especially if you're older and you've got you know, compromised immune systems. And so there was a period in, in June, July, and August where we were in the single digits of people who were coming to church. Um, and so um, that was different. But once people started coming back toward the end of August, I think, I don't know, somehow that, that time together, then apart, but then together again, really helped to kind of show what a a new normal was going to look like for our church. 
So how are things going now for, uh, for the church and, and how are things going now for you as a pastor? So I've heard you say before you have COVID days yeah. and just things aren't going to work out. Right. And so, um, asking me that question on a good day, um, I'm pretty optimistic asking me on a bad day. It's maybe a little bit more pessimism, but you, you found me on a good day. I think things are going pretty, pretty good for, for us. Um, we have been able to, um, have a new, a new normal with all of our, um, all of our services, um, back up and running. They look different, but we're able to have those, those times together. Um, we started with our Wednesday nights for children and youth because the, the Zoom meetings for our church was, were just not working. Like I know some other churches have had some great success with those, but for the children and youth that come to our stuff, they, it just wasn't working well. And so we kind of take the, taken this mindset of effective ministry. What can, how can it be most effective? Do we need to use technology? Do, you, do we need to be meeting together again? And so I think using that mindset has helped us to understand how best we can serve our community. Um, I think us understanding that what the church down the street is doing or in the city next to us is maybe not the best thing for us. Um, we are have an individual community, and so we need to do what's best for them. Um, as a pastor, working through those things, knowing there's not one size fits all for churches has been important for me. Um, again, being able to find that balance between um, fatherhood and pastoring and finding time for myself as well. Um, has been more of a struggle because you don't have those different places where you are those different people because it's all just at home. Mm -hmm. And so um, being able to find that balance um, has been a struggle for me at least. And so th those are things that I think are getting better as we're realizing that this might be longer than we anticipated at the beginning. Um, for our church, we're trying to figure out because before the pandemic hit, we were trying to have a renewed emphasis on outreach and visitation and discipleship in, in our neighborhood. And I still believe as a pastor, that's what our church needs to do. But we're trying to figure out how to do that in this new, this new world that we're facing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, um, I, I enjoy solving problems, and so this is a big problem to solve. And so, um, working on that um, gets me excited, and I think I think we're getting places. And so, I'm hoping it'll be a good time for the church. Well, and I'll tell you one thing that's been very freeing for me, and I think I don't think I'm alone in this, is because this is all unprecedented. Um, almost almost no one has any memory of the last time that there was a pan pandemic like this. Um, mm -hmm. th this is, this is new for everybody because of that. A lot of the changes that are having to be made and the new approaches we're having to try, it seems like there is a lot of freedom to fail that is not necessarily, um, a church's default. <laughs> I think a lot of times in, in church life, we want to get it right on the first try. Um, we, we're not interested in trial and error. Um, we, we want to get it right the first time, um, and we, we don't like 
we don't like having, having egg on our face as, as the church because um, it feels like a failure of ministry. And I think that that attitude has kind of fallen by the wayside right now. I think there's very much an attitude for, for pastors and for lay people of let's do the best that we can. And if something we try doesn't work, then we'll try something else. And that's okay that it doesn't work because none of us have ever done this before. Um, and I think there's a lot of freedom. So you, you use the example of trying to do a uh, zoom with students and kids and by no means is your church unique in that. That's something I've heard from several other pastors. That's something that we experienced as well, that a zoom Bible study for senior adults is something that the seniors at my church have really appreciated, really enjoyed those Sunday school classes. They have stuck with it. Um, and even now that they're allowed to meet in person, they're continuing to meet over Zoom because for most of them, that's the only time they're on Zoom all week. Um, that, that's, that's one of less than five Zoom meetings that they have on a weekly basis. For kids and students who are having to be on Zoom or having to be on online for hours every single day and having to stare at the, um, the webcam every single day, Zoom fatigue is real. And the last thing that they wanted was another, another teleconference meeting. Um, and so I think it's been good for, um, for churches, good for pastors, good for lay people to have this freedom to say, we're going to try this. And if it doesn't work, we'll try something else. Um, and to, to have that acknowledgement that we don't have to get it right on the first try. Uh, yeah. You mentioning trying new things. I, uh, I tried something new with Sunday nights a couple of weeks ago because I just don't have time to work on three sermons. And so I, we recap the morning sermon in the evening mm -hmm. and allow people to ask questions, uh, allow people to dive in. So I'm only doing research and study on, on one passage for both of those sermons. Um, we only have about 10 or 12 people who come on Sunday night. And I think it's those committed members who, who, who need that type of deep study that I can't do on Sunday mornings. So we're trying, we'll try something else. And so it can be exciting for, for a lot of us. Absolutely. I, I got some of that. Uh, I apologize to everybody listening. Our Zoom connection is, is not great at the moment. There we go. Now, now it's catching up a little bit. So some, of, some folks may have missed that, but um, talking about your, your Sunday night, Zoom Bible study, trying something different, uh, doing more of a, a recap of Sunday morning instead of writing a brand new sermon. And I, th I think those are the kinds of things that we're having to, um, to learn on the fly. And I think that's, there's some value in that. Well, in addition to being a pastor. Yeah, sorry, sorry about the connection. I, I, I imagine it's because, again, we're in a pandemic and we've got four people at our house, <laughs> two for school, two for work right now. And so it, it, the, the internet struggles to keep up sometimes. Hey, th these are the perils of doing things over Zoom. I think literally every person listening understands. <laughs> so, well, in addition to being a pastor, you're also a doctoral student right now at uh, B.H. Carroll Theological Institute. And you, you shared with me in our preparation for this um, an essay that you recently wrote for your doctoral program called Effective Ministry, How the Church Should Respond to COVID-19. Um, and so I know it's not something that our listeners have read, um, but one of the things that you talked about a lot in it is the long-term effects of the pandemic 
on the ways that we do ministry and about resisting the temptation to just get back to normal, to, to simply let's go back, let's time travel back to February as soon as health regulations allow us to do so. And let's actually learn from this experience. So um, if, you'll, if you'll share with me and with everybody listening, what do you think is the biggest long-term effect that the pandemic's going to have um, on the way that we do ministry in general and on your church specifically? I think what we're learning is at the beginning of this, we, we had this thought that everything was just going to switch to more technology and that was going to be it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know about your, um, your Facebook uh, services, Daniel, but ours, those first couple of weeks, we were like, Oh my goodness, there's more people watching than they would have come to, to church on this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Maybe, Maybe this is a, a, a big new thing that we need to do. Um, but once the newness of that wore off, um, it kind of, you know, waned to um, realizing that, that church is never going to be replaced by being it only online. I think there's a community, uh, face-to-face interaction that as the church, we, we have to have. And I wouldn't want us to be able to only do church online. And so I think when we have long-term effects on the church, um, there is going to be a both and. I think we have learned that being online is is viable for a time, um, but being in person is also important. Um, I think, you know, you, you use the title and it's the, the phrase that I've been using, effective ministry. How best can those ministries be effective? Um, is it using technology? Is it just meeting? Um, and so you need to be able to find the best method to doing those ministries. At the same time, you can't let those ministries be so entrenched in one way of meeting, um, especially during these next couple of years before um, before there's a vaccine, before everybody is regularly um, has been you know, vaccinated for, for this, there's going to be an ebb and flow. We're, we're hearing about, you know, an uptick in cases right now and in the fall and the winter that it could get, could get worse. We need to be able to adjust our ministries um, better than we've done in the past. Um, churches are notorious for being slow. We all know that. But if we can have this attitude that we probably should have had beforehand of, continuous change. Let the, the methods and let who we are as a church being ready to, to change um, to the best format for our communities um, is really, I think, going to be one of the greatest long-term effects that we have. I think the church is realizing that there is a time to, to pivot and we can't just stay focused and stay with something too long. Yeah, there's a... Um... There's a phrase in the Protestant church um, that we typically think of in a spiritual sense that the, the church is always reforming, um, that, that we are not just reformed where there was a reformation hundreds of years ago, but we are always reforming. Um, and that, that is meant to be in a spiritual sense, but I think also in a practical sense, that's something that um, we need to keep in mind as well, that we need continuous change, like you said, not in a way that frightens people, that, hey, we're going to be flipping the tables over on a weekly basis, um, but that 
we don't allow things to get stale. Um, when you were talking about that period in which we moved, when everybody was uh, doing online services and attendance actually ticked up on online and then it went away, what I've compared it to with folks that I've uh, discussed this, this kind of phenomenon um, with the folks that I've talked to about it, I compared it to a substitute teacher um, that online ministry in those periods was a substitute teacher. And if you think about when you were in school and you ha would have a sub on any given day, it's fun to have a substitute because it's somebody new and different. And all of a sudden the rules are different for a day. And all of a sudden what you thought you were going to get out of that day, it's, you're getting something entirely different and it's fun and novel and it's just different. And there's fun in difference. But if you've ever had a time in which um, typically what happens is your, your teacher has a baby. Uh, that, that's when this most commonly happens. And you have the same substitute for a period of weeks instead of just one or two days. Inevitably, the class gets tired of the new substitute because they say this was fun for a day, but now I want to go, I want my real teacher back. And I think that's what a lot of people experienced when it came to online ministry versus in-person ministry, that it was, I think a lot of the reason that our attendance ticked up is because those cultural Christians, folks who maybe come on Easter and Christmas and they are associated with a church, but they are not regularly being discipled in church. I think that they tuned in those first few Sundays because they said, wow, the church is doing something new and that's not something you can say on a weekly basis. I want to see what's going on. Um, and then once the newness wore off, once the novelty wore off and it just became, this is how we do things. Now they had that, that feeling that you have with a substitute teacher where you said, okay, well I'm done with, I'm done with the newness. Let's go back to how things were, were before. Now, now I will say that we, we have seen a couple of what I would call our, you know, our, our church members who have been on the periphery of church membership mm -hmm. when we were just meeting in person, um, they have been so much more regular online. And it's almost become, um, I'm sure there's some type of sociological discussion we can have about it, but they're more regular online and they have continued. And people who would have never come on Sunday nights or on Wednesday nights, they're watching online on those times. And so and again, I think it, having both is is certainly very effective. I mm -hmm. I feel like that um, being able to be online and in person can really fill all of the cracks that we have had. You know, too often we we let people fall through the cracks, but being able to have that presence in both places has really helped us. Um, but I think you have to go high tech and low tech. I've sent more mail outs to my church members in the past six months than I did in the two years before when I was, had been their pastor, um, just because there are people who aren't online. And so we need to remember uh, those ones and just make sure we're connecting with as many people as possible. So in this period um, of, of this pandemic, what's something that you would say you have learned in this time? We're doing so many new things. We're learning so many lessons. What's been your biggest takeaway so far, whether it's about God or about ministry or about yourself? Um, what's been your, your biggest lesson that you've learned because of COVID-19? The biggest lesson I've learned came a few weeks ago. Um, there had been a, a couple that have been part of our church for 
decades, but they hadn't been, they hadn't come back yet uh, to church. They'd probably been watching online. But on Sunday afternoon, I just picked up the phone and I gave him a call and I talked with, with the husband for about five minutes. We didn't talk about anything much of anything important. But from that moment on, they've been at church every Sunday morning and Sunday night since. And so what I realized, um, maybe this is pandemic related or maybe not, just the power of a phone call, um, something that didn't take much time in my ministry, something I could do from any place, um, had a profound effect. And they even told me how, how much it, it meant to them that I would just call them. And again, we didn't talk about much of anything. I was just seeing how they were doing. Um, I wasn't pressuring them to come back to church, but they felt like they were part of the community again. And so they've been coming back. And so um, I would encourage everybody, you know, whatever place of ministry you're in, you know, the power of a phone call, the power of a text message, just to say you're praying for somebody um, is very powerful. And so be able to do that ministry. It doesn't have to be something that takes your entire day. It can just take a couple minutes. And so use those times effectively. That's, well, that's what I've learned. Using my time effectively in that way um, has been a good opportunity. Absolutely. That the importance, the importance of connection and, um, and of being willing to be the one that's, that's reaching out, not, not waiting for opportunities, but um, being proactive in that sense. Well, let me ask you just one last question, Josh, as we kind of draw things to a close. Um, this is my question for every minister that I've, uh, that I've talked to on this podcast. What is one thing that you would want to tell listeners about pastoring in the pandemic? We all want it to be over soon. <laughs> we, we, um, we would like to uh, do a lot of things we can't do right now. As, as ministers, um, we feel like we got one hand tied behind our back. And so we would like it to be over soon. So um, let's keep wearing masks. Let's keep uh, physical distancing and let's keep being as the church can be as best as possible right now. But that's what I would say to everybody. I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> I think that you would get unanimous approval on that particular <laughs> message. Um, well, Josh, thank you so much for, for joining me today and for, for sharing your thoughts on how things are going with your church, how things are going um, for pastors in general, and, uh, and for sharing those insights. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Daniel.